Thank you guys for uh, leading us into worship of the Lord. Um, let's pray. Bow your heads uh, and, and let's just pray together. God, we thank you uh, for another morning to, to live and to worship you. And just even as we're singing that song about the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of the gospel, and that it crushes all its enemies. Um, I just know that we are in the presence of royalty today. Jesus, you are here with us. And I pray that we, you would help us <laughs> open up our eyes to acknowledge that. Uh, we think we're in this school building. We're not. We're in the presence of the risen Christ. We're in the presence of royalty. So God, open our eyes to see you. Respond to you. Speak to us today. Not only through the message, but through communion, through, uh, through all, uh, all these elements of worship. Would you speak to our hearts and change our lives, Lord? Help us respond to you, even reach out for you, God. And touch you today. You're, you, you are why we're here today. We love you. You're worthy of our praise. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. Yeah, good. Uh, this week, I'm really excited because this week we are starting a brand new series. Uh, it's in Luke. And it is called Meals with Jesus. And the idea for this study... Uh, that we're doing uh, comes from a book uh, by a guy named Tim Chester. He wrote a book called A Meal with Jesus. So you see the connection, Meals with Jesus, okay? And what he did was he examined several of the meals that Jesus ate in the book of Luke to see what we could learn from that. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing through this series. You could even say we're following his example. Uh, so before we get into the message, uh, I just want to share real quick with you guys a few ways, three ways actually, that you can engage with this series, okay? And one of the ways is you can come each week on Sunday to listen to the message. That's probably the simplest way you can engage with the series, okay? What I mean by that is this. It's, the messages aren't standalone, okay? They're a series, so they build one upon the next little bit by little bit, okay? So this is a real simple way you can engage a little more deeply with the study that we're doing. Pretty simple. Another way is uh, we actually have copies of that book uh, over there. They're 10 boxes, what we're selling them for, and this is actually uh, below what we paid for them. And so what we're wanting to do is we are wanting to get a good resource in your hands so that you can go deeper and apply the message that you learn on Sunday throughout the week, okay? So here's, here's what it looks like. And they're over on the resource table over there if you want to get that. So what you can do is this. Get a copy of that, and you can use it in your, in your small group. If your small group isn't already got material that you've, that you've bought and you're going through, this is a great resource for you guys to use in your small group. Um, what you can do is you read a chapter a week, the chapter that we're talking on on Sunday, you read that chapter, and it's a great way to further apply what you guys are all experiencing on Sunday morning throughout the week in your group. Um, discuss it. This is how it's challenging me. God's challenging me with, this, uh, with his word and with this material. And then this is an important part. Pray. Take time in your group to pray. God, change me. Challenge my thinking in my group for the next few weeks. That's a really easy way for you to engage with this series. 
another way, a third way you can engage more deeply with the series is it's similar with the small group. You don't have a small group? No problem. Grab a copy of the book. Grab a buddy. Say, hey, let's go meet. And you do exactly what you're going to do in the small group. We're going to read a chapter of this a week. Mark it up. Bring questions you may have. Grab a buddy at work or someone uh, at school. And we're going to let this challenge us. God's going to challenge us. And then we're going to pray for each other that he would change us for the next few weeks. Okay? So there you go. Three simple ways you can engage with this study throughout the week. Okay? So, um, actually, I'm going to give a copy of this book away. I accidentally bought an extra copy online. I guess I'm not very good at shopping online when I click. I bought an extra copy. So, first person that emails me with their favorite meal, you're going to get this copy of the book. Okay? Your favorite meal, I want to hear about it, and my email's uh, in the bulletin, right? So, there you go. That'll get you to pick up a bulletin too, right? So, we're looking at nine of the meals that Jesus ate in the book of Luke. Uh, Chester looks at six. We're going to do a few more than he does, okay? And I want you guys to think about this morning, today. Think about like an appetizer. See, see what I did there? Like meals with Jesus, appetizer. Okay, right, got it. Think about today as an appetizer. This is an overview of where we're going. This is what we hope to accomplish when we get to the end of this study, okay? The whole purpose of today is just to give us a taste, like an appetizer, so that we'll actually get hungry for the main course. We'll get hungry for the meal. I want all of us to get hungry for what God wants to do in our church this fall as his people. Amen? So you're probably wondering, why this series? Why this series? Well, the answer is because this isn't the Bible, and that should be good enough for you. Okay? Thanks for asking. I'm just joking. It's a great question. Why, we, why this? Why this series? Why this way? Here's why. Short answer is this. Meals matter to us, and meals matter to Jesus. That's why we're doing this series. Think about the meals that you had growing up when you were a kid, or maybe even recently, meals that you have participated in. Didn't some of the most important conversations or disappointing news or funniest moments happen over a meal? Meals bring us together in ways that are just, it's unlike anything else. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I remember when Vanessa and I, we were just dating. She wasn't my wife. She was the girl I was dating, all right? I can't even remember that far back. Um, Vanessa and I were dating. I decided of this capital idea. I'm going to make dinner for Vanessa, and it's going to be awesome, right? I, was, I really liked her. I thought she was really pretty. I couldn't believe she was hanging out with me, but I wasn't quite sure, you know, does she like me in the same way? I thought, you know, this is going to seal the deal. I'm going to really impress her by making a meal for her. So I got this recipe. I'm going to follow this recipe meticulously, and I take time, you know, I'm, I'm in my 20s, so I, I'm, I, I, get out, I get out of class early from class, right? I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to get all fresh ingredients. So I'm getting fresh fish. I'm getting fresh asparagus, little orange, you know, because you've got to get the garnish on the side, right? The parsley, all of that, all fresh. And I, I didn't know how to, to really cook, but that wasn't going to stand in my way of making an, an amazing meal for her. I follow this recipe very meticu- meticulously. It was going to be a great meal. So we're sitting there. We're across the table from each other. I'm looking at her, and I'm just, I'm just doing this. I just can't believe I'm, I'm with this woman. 
you know, and she hadn't walked out the door yet. <laughs> and so we're eating a few bites, and I really want to know, what did she think of this meal that, I mean, this took me some time. I invested some money, okay? I invested some time, some energy. I'm putting myself, what did she think about this meal? So after a few bites, I ask her, what, you know, hey, what do you think? And she looks at me, and she smiles, and she asked me how long I cooked the broccoli. And I said, I didn't buy any broccoli. What are you talking about? I didn't cook broccoli. I didn't buy broccoli. And so apparently, I don't know if they were like next to each other, but I picked out some of these long like stalks of broccoli instead of asparagus. So I hadn't, obviously I had not put, cooked the broccoli very well, but she was eating warm but raw broccoli, okay? And she was trying to be really diplomatic about, that, you know, this is, just doesn't taste that great. So she busts out laughing. I start laughing at myself. And anyway, uh, the rest is history. Um, she was not very impressed with my culinary skills. But however, she did like the fact that I could make her laugh. Uh, I wasn't trying to make her laugh. That was the only problem. But she liked that, so it kind of worked in my advantage, right? I had never bothered to cook a meal um, for a girl before. But in my mind, in my heart, she was worth taking that risk because the very thing I was afraid of happening actually happened at that meal. That's why I did not do it, and it happened. But to me, she was worth it. It was, it was worth the risk. And here's my point. I still remember that meal. It was a significant meal, guys. Meals are, are it's far more than about food. You get what I'm saying? They're filled with significance. So what about you? What kinds of things happened to you over a meal? Did you find out that your dad lost his job over a meal with the family? Did you hear these great war stories from grandpa? Did somebody make a really big announcement? Did you fall in love across the table from somebody? Meals matter to us, and meals matter to Jesus. Tim Chester, don't put this slide up yet. Tim Chester makes this statement in his book about Jesus. He says, there are three ways the New Testament completes the following sentence. The Son of Man came. Now, I want to know, how would you complete that sentence? If you haven't read the book. If you've read the book, okay. How would you guys, go ahead, talk back, okay. This is lecture lab part, lab part, right. So talk back. How would you guys finish that sentence in the New Testament. The Son of Man came. Okay? How would you, Son of Man came what? What did he come? Okay? So you can save the world? Sins? Save us from our sins? Anything else? One more? Tony? Save us. Okay. Great. Good answers. Well done, class. Okay. You guys were very enthusiastic about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Here is how uh, the gospel writers complete that sentence. One of them was already mentioned. Mark says this, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke nineteen ten says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was mentioned. Now check this out, Luke seven thirty four. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, he is, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Interesting. 
the first two verses are describing the purpose of Jesus. Did you catch that? Why he came to earth. Jesus came on a mission to seek and save the lost, to give his life uh, as a ransom for many. This is the purpose and why he came. The third verse is describing his method. How did he accomplish that mission? How did he do this? He came eating and drinking, it says. There are at least nine meals in the book of Luke. There's probably more you could argue for, argue for, but there's at least nine meals in Luke. And that's just the meals that Luke bothered to write down, by the way. So think about this. Nine meals in 24 chapters. Jesus ate a lot of meals with people. Just let that sink in for a second. In fact, he ate so frequently with people that it kind of ruined his reputation. If you think about it, it ruined his reputation with the religious people. What do they say about him? They called him what? They accused him of being what? Two things, what? A glutton and a drunkard, right? Jesus ate with people a lot. It seems to be one of his great mission strategies. Isn't that interesting? Meals matter to us, and meals matter to Jesus. You see, these meals with Jesus are about far more than just food. They are how Jesus reveals himself to people and to us today. I really want you guys to get that. Jesus reveals the grace that he gives, the community that he is creating, and the mission that he is on through these meals. Meals were the embodiment of his teachings about the gospel of grace and the coming kingdom. They were the physical manifestations of what he was talking about, in other words. They were substance to be experienced. Substance to be encountered. Not just ideology to imagine or to debate about. He's bringing that in. It's crashing into history. It's coming right into people's lives through these meals. In his meals, he is accepting people that deserve to be excluded. And he is excluding people that think they deserve to be included at the table of God. These meals are very radical things. Jesus ate with all kinds of different people groups. He ate with men and with women. He ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. He ate with prostitutes, guys, and tax collectors and sinners. He ate with Pharisees. He ate with scribes, people that knew the Bible. He ate with powerful leaders in the community. And he ate with nobodies that nobody would miss if they just fell off the face of the planet. Grace was extended to all of them, no matter how undeserving they were, through a meal. At these meals, Jesus upsets our understanding of what community is all about. He came to create a new community. His community was going to behave differently than all the other communities that are created in this world. His people don't value the same things that the world does, in other words. Like the job that we work gives us status or low status. Or how many hours we put in every single week at that job. Or how free we are to express our individuality. See, his people 
value other things far more highly than those things. His people don't use the same boundary markers for who, who is in and who is out, like the world uses. They use things like race and age. Which side of town you live on? Oh, they live over there? Well, I know all about them. Or what team you root for? Or whether they have tattoos or no tattoos? See, these are all boundary markers that the world uses. says, okay, so you're part of this community. And you, you're not a part of this community. So you've got to go find your own community where they're more like that. And he's making a new kind of community. Yes, Jesus taught. And yes, he gave sermons. And he performed miracles and signs and wonders. But it seems that the main strategy for how he was going to spread the good news about the kingdom of God and this new people that he was creating was through having meals with people. That's just amazing. It's so ordinary. You just wouldn't miss it, right? Guess what? This is something that every one of us can do. This is a strategy that every one of us can employ. We don't have to have a church building to have a meal with someone, do we? No. Thank you, somebody, for saying no. (laughs) You don't have to have a lot of money to share a meal, do you? Don't have to. You don't uh, have to buy a plane ticket to go share a meal with someone, right? You can start with your neighbor. You can start with your coworkers, your roommates. You can start right there. You can do this if you're young or if you're old. You can do this if you're single or if you are married. This is something everyone can do. It's pretty amazing. It doesn't have to be a full course meal. Coffee and scone will do, all right? That's breaking bread with someone. You're having a meal, eating and drinking, right? Right there. That'll work. It's called being hospitable. And in the early centuries, Christians were famous for it. They actually would, in the history books, actually wrote about how Christians were hospitable. That's where hospital comes from, hospitable. And it came from Christians. We're the ones that invented that. Being hospitable is very different than entertaining guests. See, we used to be very hospitable. Now we bought into the idea of entertaining people and the whole Martha Stewart thing. It's got to be the perfect house and the perfect setting and the perfect placement. It's all got to link up. It's all got to match. And entertaining is not the same thing as being hospitable. Jen Wilkins wrote in a great article, uh, she wrote about the lost art of hospitality. It's a powerful thing. Entertaining, she says this, entertaining is about getting everything perfect so that your guests will have a good impression about you. They won't leave your house, leave your presence, get in their car, and start bad-mouthing you. That's the difference between entertainment, entertaining someone, and being hospitable to them. Hospitality seeks to bless the people you're serving with what you have. So yeah, you clean your house so people don't trip over your clothes. But if there's a pile of something there, it's okay. It's not about making that impression on them. Are you tracking with me? Entertaining obsesses over what went wrong. Hospitality savors what was shared in the conversation at the meal. It's seeking to make a guest feel at home in your home. That's hospitality. That's a simple definition. That might mean, you know, it depends on who you invite and, and who you are, but that being hospitable just might mean putting on some music 
so your guest doesn't feel like they have to chat the whole time during the meal in between bites. Put a little music on. That might mean paper plates and, and uh, paper napkins and sitting on the deck instead of a formal dining room. Uh, if they have uh, young children, it might mean that you try a brunch in the morning or maybe a lunch instead of a dinner and you keep it short. So know who you're with. That, that, all that is is I want to make you at home in my home. That's hospitable. And you don't have to share the four spiritual laws and call for a decision uh, by the time dessert comes out, okay? You don't have to. You can. If you do, I'd love to hear about that. God opens up that opportunity. Man, just drive right on through. That's what I say. But you don't have to, right? You can pray before a meal. You do what you do. You keep doing what you keep doing and don't change for them, right? If that's your custom, just pray. And pray, just thanks for all the blessings that God has given you. And just pray that you would be a blessing to your guests, to your neighbor. That's it. God opens up these opportunities. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're doing. Now, now where are we going with this series? Where are we headed? Here's where we're headed through this study. Two things. First and foremost, I want all of us to be amazed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that doesn't happen, this isn't, this isn't working. Okay? That is the first and foremost goal of this study. I want us to get a vision of how sweeping and how ridiculously wonderful God's grace is to you and to me and to this world. It's the only thing that has the power to change a life and nothing else and to keep changing that life. That's what I want us to get. Listen, you will not reach anyone with the good news of Jesus until it is first reached into your heart and made it alive to God. Amen? You cannot give away, guys. You cannot give away something that you do not have. And we need to be confronted with that. And we will be through this series. It's great. It's going to be great. Let's become awestruck over the good news of Jesus Christ all over again. And maybe, just maybe for some of us for the very first time. Amen? That's where we're headed in this. That's, that's my hope, first and foremost. Secondly, as we become awestruck by the good news of Jesus, our hope is that our, we would have a desire to find opportunities to do exactly what Jesus does in these meals, right? Find opportunities to have meals with our neighbors. Find opportunities to have meals with your coworker or maybe even family members that you haven't talked to in ages before Thanksgiving comes up and Christmas comes up, right? Meals matter to us. Meals matter to Jesus. Use a meal. Doesn't have to be every week. But use a meal to extend grace to people just like Jesus did. God put you in the neighborhood you're in on purpose. He put you in the job site that you're in on purpose for his glory. To be ambassadors, to extend grace to those people. Meals matter to us, and the meals matter to Jesus. They manifest his grace, his community, and his purpose in the world that he's redeeming. All right? I love you guys. We're going to pray.